Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Blind Boys Politics, and the worst scenario has come to pass. I am alone again. Unfortunately, Chris, again, couldn't join us this morning, wasn't feeling quite up to speed just yet, so he decided to take one more episode to rest, but don't fret. I almost promise... I almost guarantee, almost, I, I'm not going to fully guarantee because we uh, we know my record with, you know, guessing and gambling and, you know, it just shouldn't happen, ever. So I'm not going to guarantee, I'm not going to take a, a, a full committed guess on this, but he should be back Wednesday. I dearly apologize, you have to put up with me, but here we are and we have news. But, as always, we're going to start out with the weather for this morning. So, in Los Angeles, California this morning... And throughout the day, this Monday is going to be 84 degrees as the high, 66 as the low with clear skies. In Houston, Texas, expect some scattered thunderstorms throughout the day, the high of around 90, low of 77. In Chicago, Illinois, it is going to be a high of 72 today with a low of 66 with, once again, scattered thunderstorms. And in New York City... The high should be around 84 today, and the low being 72, and once again, scattered thunderstorms. Very rainy, very rainy, lots of thunderstorms everywhere. It feels like it doesn't stop. You know, we've been getting a little bit of sunshine. Uh, You know, there's been a little sunshine on Friday's episode. I know I talked about it a little bit. We've been getting a little sun, lots of rain, definitely, definitely, definitely lots of rain. But there's been some sun. This weekend was actually pretty nice here in New York. Um, I got to appreciate it. It was just raining a few minutes ago. I can't tell if it still is or not with my headphones on. But it definitely was raining like five minutes ago. And I got to be honest, like it was very uh, comforting. Like, it was very relaxing sounding, um, the rain that was coming down. Because it wasn't, like, pour- even pouring rain can be really, really relaxing. But when it's hitting an air conditioner, not so much. When it starts hitting the air conditioner and stuff like that, that's when it starts getting more annoying rather than uh, relaxing. But it was just pitter-pattering off of the air conditioner a little bit. It wasn't, like, pouring down or anything. And for the most part, it wasn't even hitting the the AC unit, you know, it was just kind of just falling outside, and it was it was pretty nice, but we've been getting a lot of that, some sunshine mixed in a little bit, you know, it was a race for everyone to get their yard work done around here today, uh, everyone trying to get it in when, while they can, because this week, at least here, is going to be another rainy one uh, on and off, so... Everyone had to get it done as soon as they could, or else the next time they'd get a chance to do it, yeah, the lawns would be about two feet tall. But, rambling about weather, because honestly, there's not much else to talk about. It was a very quiet weekend. Hopefully, everyone had a good weekend. Uh, mine was very quiet, you know, which I like, honestly. Uh, it, it was a very kind of relaxing week across the board. Nothing too crazy nothing too overwhelming uh it was it was a nice well-balanced weekend and uh looking forward to starting another week definitely have a lot to do this week um but i'm looking forward to it i'm looking forward to it a lot of productive things to do this week so that should be that should be uh really good but i won't 
ramble for too long. I don't have Chris to go back and forth with, so, you know, there's no point rambling on for too long, because you guys don't want to listen to me just talk on and on and on about absolutely nothing. (laughs) So, let's jump right into the news. And as we always do on Monday mornings, we are going to start off with a bit of a COVID-19 update. So at this point, about 182 million Americans have received at least one dose of the vaccine, with about 160 million being fully vaccinated. Along with that, about 80% of people 65 or older have been fully vaccinated. At this point in time, the confidence in the vaccine has reportedly risen to about 68% across the country, which is up from about 34% when the vaccines first came out. A new study from Yale has stated that because of the U.S.'s vaccination effort, about 100,000 lives have been saved and 450,000 hospitalizations have been prevented. That being said, the latest seven-day average for new cases of COVID-19 was sitting around 13,900 cases. Moving right along, kind of staying on the topic of COVID-19, a lot of parents are wondering if they should send their child back to the classroom for this upcoming school year. The CDC says yes, it is safe to do this, and school districts should actually prioritize this effort. The CDC issued some new guidance on Friday for kids in kindergarten through 12th grade, but there are some additional COVID-19 prevention measures that school districts should follow and that parents should also know to keep their child safe. The CDC says that masks should be worn indoors for everyone over the age of two who are not fully vaccinated. But students and teachers who are fully vaccinated do not have to do this. They do not have to wear a mask indoors. Currently, those who are 12 and older are eligible for the vaccine. They also say that there should be three feet of physical distance between students in classrooms. And when three feet is not possible, schools are required to layer additional prevention measures. They say there should be weekly screening and testing for COVID-19 of those in the school who are unvaccinated to improve ventilation, advocate hand washing and covering your mouth when you cough or sneeze. Parents should keep their kids home when they are sick and schools should immediately contact, trace, isolate and quarantine those who come in contact with a person who has tested positive but is unvaccinated. And finally, cleaning and disinfecting protocols must be continued. The CDC says that it is safe to send kids back to school because of the vaccination rate increasing across the country, but when those vaccination rates are low, school districts and local governments need to monitor community transmission outbreaks and spread of COVID-19 and let those facts determine which prevention strategies need to be implemented in the schools or whether or not universal mask wearing should be required again. 
Again, sticking on the topic of COVID-19 and vaccination, there's a very popular question going around, and that is, do I need a third COVID-19 shot? Well, Pfizer says yes, but for one specific reason. And this reason is that the company plans to ask the FDA for emergency use authorization for a third dose of its COVID-19 vaccine to combat the highly contagious Delta variant, which is quickly spreading across the country. Another shot within 12 months could dramatically boost immunity. Pfizer says if you've already received both doses of the vaccine, the antibodies in your system are already protecting you against severe illness and death, even against the Delta variant. But antibodies wean over time, so the company has been studying this booster shot idea. Well, the results are in, and... Pfizer has said that in these tests, the patient's antibodies rose about five to tenfold compared to when they got the second shot months earlier. You've probably all heard the recent news about the Delta variant and how it's threatening unvaccinated people and communities across the U.S. At this time, the Delta variant is estimated to make up about 51% of the cases here in the U.S., there are still a lot of questions surrounding all of this and the necessity for a third shot when lots of people in this country and around the world don't even have one shot at this point. Regardless, a Pfizer representative says that the company will officially request another EUA emergency use authorization for this booster in August. After Pfizer's statement, the FDA and CDC both released a detailed statement saying that there is no need for a booster shot at this time. Pfizer's request for full FDA approval of their vaccine is still being reviewed, but it is expected to be approved soon. Now, moving away from COVID-19 and vaccines and all of that, we get into an executive order that President Biden just signed the other day. Now, lower prescription drug costs, no more non-compete work contracts, and about 70 other items are all things that President Biden implemented in this new executive order, which he says is about bringing back real corporate competition in America. The president says that these days the lack of competition is squeezing out small businesses and causing higher prices and lower wages. He says that this is costing the average American household about $5,000 every single year. This executive order includes dozens of government agencies, and like I said, it includes about 72 different specific items, uh, with some of these bigger items being banning or limiting non-compete agreements, banning unnecessary cumbersome occupational licensing requirements that limit workers from using their skills across state lines, lowering prescription drug prices by supporting state and tribal programs to import safe and cheaper drugs from Canada, allowing hearing aids to be sold over-the-counter at drugstores, which would save Americans thousands of dollars, 
banning excessive early termination fees of your internet bills. The bill also requires clear disclosure of plan costs so that you can actually do some comparison shopping. And banning our landlords from having an internet exclusivity agreement with a certain provider that limits you as the tenant to just one option for your internet. It also make it easier for people to get refunds from the airlines, especially when your baggage is late and you've paid those extra fees. And it requires airlines to disclose all of their upfront add-on fees, so again, you can actually do some comparison shopping. Several of these items in President Biden's executive order have been left up to the states to regulate, and of course, several states and a lot of big business are going to have their words about this whole situation. Brace yourself for a lot of legal action to follow. Um... You know, we've already seen some court cases regarding antitrust, uh, where the Supreme Court threw out a case against Facebook that surrounded antitrust, and it's going to continue from here on out. Now we move over to the FDA, because they are calling for an investigation into its approval of a new drug for Alzheimer's and its patients. The FDA... The FDA said that the probe should look at any communication between agencies, staff, and Biogen, the drug's maker, that violate FDA rules. Biogen said that it would cooperate with the investigation. The drug has come under fire from medical experts who severely question its effectiveness. That is the end of our main news segment, and now we move into some rapid news. And the Department of Education has canceled more than $55 million in student loan debt for those who fell victim to a for-profit college fraud scheme. This brings the total amount of student debt forgiven by the Biden administration to about $1.5 billion. And finally, some places in the western part of the United States are forecast to hit about 130 degrees, which would be about tied with the all-time world record temperature. But now we move into good news. And a pretty quick story this morning, but a powerful one nonetheless. So there's a little island town in Maine called Isleboro with a graduating class this year of 13 students. Now, these 13 students had spent this past school year raising $8,000 for a senior trip. Normally, the students will go to somewhere um, out of the country, you know, Italy, Panama, Greece, whatever. So, originally their thought was if international travel was open, they would go to Greece or South Korea. But with international travel still being shut down for the most part, they were thinking about going somewhere local. Well, then they started talking and thinking a bit more. In all the struggling that's going on across the world and across the U.S., they decided that it wouldn't quite feel right traveling anywhere, even within U.S. borders. So what they decided to do was to donate the money. The first 5000 
went to their community fund to help support the people of the town where they lived. Because even in their little town, a lot of people were losing jobs and couldn't pay rent or couldn't pay utilities or couldn't buy certain things. And they wanted 5000 of the 8000 that they raised to go to the community fund to help those people who were struggling. The other 3000 remains undecided, but they are going to donate all of it. So that will make all $8,000 donated once they choose a place for that to go. So these students decided to give up their trip, decided to give up all $8,000 that they had spent the time and effort raising, and decided to donate it to other people to help them after everything that's happened. You know, for these students to see uh, this, you know, the type of struggling that's going on and react the way they did to decide, hey, there are other people that need this more than we do, especially for something like a trip. For them to see that and take action like that and donate it like that is truly commendable. It's, it's definitely commendable because there there are a lot of people that would not go along with that, that wouldn't even think of that. There are a lot of people that wouldn't even have that thought come to their own minds. But it really helped them that their community is so close. You know, the town where they live has about 700 year-round residents. So they're a very close, you know, very tight-knit community. And you gotta imagine that that factor was definitely part of it. Because when you have a community feel like that, a family feel to your community, that really makes you start to think deeper and makes you think a little outside of the box when it comes to situations like this. But no matter what made them think of it, no matter what brought the idea to mind and what brought them to all agreeing to it, this is truly commendable and it's it's wonderful to see uh, these kids, you know, these students uh, make that kind of decision. So I give a round of applause to that. That's something that definitely makes me smile. And uh, that's what we have for good news this morning. But that is all for this morning's episode of Blind Boys Politics. But we won't be gone for long. Make sure to stay tuned on Wednesday and Friday for new episodes. On Wednesday is obviously our dumb law episode, as always. And then on Friday, again, as always, will be another news episode. And again, Chris should be back by Wednesday. Hopefully. Everyone hope with me. I need him back. We need him back. We know we do. In the meantime, though, before our next episode, head over to Twitter and give us a follow over there where you will be able to stay up to date with the latest and breaking news. Head over to our personal Twitter accounts, give us a follow over there and get some entertainment. Uh, you get to hear some interesting thought processes from both Chris and myself. It gets fun now and again. So head over there. And 
head over to Medium and read our news articles that we post over there. We talk about things in those articles that don't make it onto the podcast. A lot of different news that you will never get here. So head over there for that extra injection of news into your day. And all of those links, as always, are in the show notes. But that is all, you guys. So I will see you on Wednesday. Hopefully Chris will be back. You'll see him on Wednesday. And that is all. Bye, guys.